Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. What a week. Welcome to the program, and we are loaded up. A Football Friday with Fred. Fred White joins us. We'll talk a little bit about the Celebrate 98 series. If you haven't seen it, Billy Ratliff is up on the YouTube channel. But on the program today, you want to stay tuned because we've got a lot to get to. Projecting Tennessee's too deep is part of what we'll do via Caleb Calhoun and an article on offthehooksports.com. Also, uh, Julian Phillips transferring from Tennessee. want to dive into that. And there seems to be issues with players off the field, not necessarily Tennessee, but it's something always to keep an eye on. And then you have uh, gambling. Is that the new issue that has to be dealt with? Or is it the old school stuff? Drugs, alcohol, DUI? Those are still serious. I'm not dismissing them. But what's the bigger concern for a college football program? Not this, I'm not talking about the safety of people. That is more important. But just in terms of uh, gambling is so accessible now. If you're an AD, what concerns you most moving forward? What's your biggest concern? And um, also, you have higher expectations of uh, Tennessee baseball or basketball. So we've got a lot to get to. So we're going to jump into that uh, right now. And it is time to talk a little bit of uh, Tennessee basketball. The Vols lose Julian Phillips to the transfer portal. Something uh, I definitely want to dive into because we talk about rosters changing in football, but really – Moving forward, it could be far more dramatic in basketball because one or two players can obviously make a bigger deal in in basketball. Guys will mature later on. So we talk about uh, transferring and all that sort of thing uh, in 
in in football, but really you have to be a pretty special player, like a quarterback, if you want to take uh, Southern Cal, for instance, and what they were able to do with Caleb Williams bringing him over. I mean, you can have a massive impact, but pretty much just a quarterback. In basketball, good afternoon, morning, Caleb, evening, whenever anyone is watching, you can have one dude that can change uh, the course of a program and turn them from an average team to a very good team or championship team. What do you think of Julian Phillips transferring? Good morning. I think Julian Phillips is transferring largely because I'm going to give some credit to Rick Barnes all this. And I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. We talked about this last week with some of the roster turnover. I'm convinced now Rick Barnes is changing his philosophy. This is a huge sign. Rick Barnes loves the mid range still, and he loves to use to have the length advantage on the inside. Well, Olivier Kamwa and Julian Phillips have both entered the portal now. These were two starters at small forward and power forward for Tennessee that were really lengthy and used size massively to their advantage. And they're both gone. And what has he gone to get in return? He's gone for sharpshooters. Don't connect. And I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not entirely sure. But I, I, I would assume it's connect. But then also the... Jordan Ganey, the son of assistant Justin Ganey. These were both sharpshooters at where they were. That's their thing. They're spot-up shooters. And obviously, Santiago Vescovi is back. Sure, he added Chris Ledlam from Harvard for some defensive prowess, and I was concerned about that move. But when you look at the different changes that have gone, it's pretty clear he's focusing on elite shooters more than ever before. All signs are the point to Freddie DeLeon being a great shooter, too, a four-star guard who committed in the middle of the season. Okay, so changing philosophies, what do you think the philosophy changes into? Because the philosophy last year was dump it into a post and he kicks it out. But the problem was the post wasn't a real offensive threat, so nobody collapsed down and they just defended the perimeter at the three-point line. So I still think you have to have, unless you're talking about a vast philosophical change, if you're still dumping in the post first, you've still got to have a guy who's going to be able to scare people in the post to get defenses to collapse down. So I, it, there's a little bit of disconnect with me and what you're saying here. Are you talking about they're going to be some sort of well, so oriented team first? Historically, his in his old school methods, usually you had two guys in the post that you had to worry about typically. And that's how Barnes usually went with. I mean, if I mean, think about the the Celtics teams of the 80s, you needed to worry about Parrish and McHale. Yes, McHale had the fundamentals, but Parrish was a force down low that you had to worry about. And that's how many teams were constructed for years and years and years, and that's how Barnes liked to construct his teams. He's going with one guy now. I think he's going to make sure there's only one guy and then four shooters surrounding him. And he has that guy. Jonas Adu can be that guy. Juras Plavchik can't be that guy. You and I both agree. I think that Tennessee fans will be happy if he made the dumb decision to to go into the NBA draft. But... Jonas Adu can be that guy. And they have Kate Phillips coming in, so they have a couple of options uh, to back up Ju- Jonas Adu. They got Toby Awaka, too, still. So they have options in the post. But I think Barnes is going to be focusing now on making sure he has enough spot-up shooters and enough options to go to. Because last year, if Santi Vescovi wasn't hitting, the offense was just a disaster, a complete and utter disaster. So you have complete confidence in that, uh, Jonas Adu can scare defenses enough from the post and his ability most often, I, I'm referring to most oftentimes back to the basket, to create points 
that people have to collapse down. You have that much faith in they do? Yes, because in college, unlike the NBA, you don't necessarily need footwork and fundamentals in the post. If you're athletic and can pass, which Jonas Adu has those two things, it can really you can you can be an impact player. I, there were a lot of guys historically that are like that. Jonas Adu is very athletic, and he can kick it out. Now, yeah, that wouldn't be enough in the NBA because there's guys that are as athletic and taller than Jonas Adu, so he I, I, his footwork is questionable. But those two things in college is enough. It's more than enough. And so I think Tennessee will be fine. Okay, so I assume we're talking about Zakai Ziegler running the point, if, mm-hmm. if healthy. And then we would oh, watch talk. out for Freddie DeLeo, and I keep saying it, but watch out for him. He is a potential superstar. Okay, so one of those two guys running the point. Yes. Right? Then it's the two, Viscovi. Yep. And then where we fit in the other shooters, and are you talking about basically – the four positionless players and a post is that well, not positionless because the point, but you see what I'm saying? Four three perimeter positionless players. players in the po- yeah. A point guard, a center and three positionless players. And it, it, and who starts in those is a little bit, doesn't really matter. Like Santi Viscovi will obviously be one of the starters among those three spots. If Josiah Jordan James returns, he'll be one of the three starters in those spots too. And yeah, I think one of the transfers and maybe, and again, one of the transfers or Freddie De Leon. One of those guys, I think, is going to take the other spot. I think DeLeon's going to see the court. I don't know if he's going to see it as the as the starting point guard or as the combo guard next to Zakai Ziegler, and then he takes over point guard duties when Zakai goes to the bench, which that happens a lot of times in basketball. Okay, we've got to see this happen first. But this is like Joe Rogan talking about aliens. We've got to see this happen first. But That's amazing, off, man. <laughs> but based off what you've you've described i like this team already more going into the season we're months away but i like this team more than i did going into last year if barnes holds by that the concern to me is that it's going to work kind of okay and he gets used to it it's it's kind of like a tuxedo um a tuxedo you go get and it's uncomfortable to put on and it's a little stiff, but you, you're like, man, I'll look pretty good in this thing. But you don't put on a tuxedo the next day. You wear whatever the heck you're going to wear, even if it's a sport coat or a suit. So that's my concern is that he'll never be fully comfortable in this type of offense, and he won't be Tennessee tuxedo. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see that, but the personnel he's developing, it it almost seems like he's going to be forced to be comfortable in this type of offense. Oh, I forgot about Jemai Meshack. He may start too, and he's more of a defensive specialist. But if Meshack develops an outside shot, whew, watch out. I mean, we're talking a, a very dangerous team. But I, I but I get your point, but it has a lot to do with the way he's constructing the roster where he is ended up it's, – it's almost he's going to be forced to do this. I, I, so two years ago, when Olivier Kamwa went down with a season-ending injury – Tennessee got significantly better after that. They went on a run. They won the SEC tournament. They got a three seed in the NCAA tournament. That's because Barnes was forced to play small ball and move Josiah Jordan James to the four. That was a huge deal. So if James comes back, you'll have Vescovi at the two and James at the four, I think. And then he'll find some, he'll, he'll use one of the sharp shooters at either DeLeon or, or somebody like that at the three. But yeah, I think that, I think he is, I do think he's changing his philosophy this late in his career, which he maybe he watches this show you know i don't know you don't even remember you're too young to even remember the cartoon tennessee tuxedo aren't you 
I'm way too young to remember that. No idea. Yeah. What that was. I got called that in South Beach, and I just told the guy, I said, man, if you want to, you want to, because I told him I was from Tennessee. Yeah, I was like, if you want to go, we can go. <laughs> oh, you were going to fight over that. Yeah, he just kept calling me that, and it got on my nerves. I mean, you know. See, was- is, for, the, for the record, guys, this is where the cultures of Memphis and Knoxville are a little bit different. In Memphis, like, you're expected to be made fun of for how you look among all your friends no matter what and among everybody you meet. Oh. <laughs> well, he kept calling me Tennessee Tuxedo, and then he said, uh, how does how does Tennessee t- – and we're just, you know, sitting at a bar. We don't know this guy. And he goes, how does Tennessee Tuxedo have a good-looking wife? And I'm like, all righty, that's the line. Do you want to step outside? And he said, no. And I said, well, then you need to get away from me. He's good. I was sitting here first. I was like, I don't care. You need to go. Oh, my gosh. Look at Dave over here starting fights. Oh, I was the king of starting fights on the strip. The thing was, I was with uh, the Powell High School football team who averaged 300 pounds on the offensive line. So I'd start it and they'd finish it. And sometimes I'd get dotted and I'd be out sleeping in the middle of Cumberland Avenue. And they and I look out and they're finishing it. I was like, good job, guys. (laughs) You smart off every time we go to the strip. So wait, wait, you were like, I don't know if you watched wrestling in the 90s, but you were like Eric Bischoff in NWO when Eric Bischoff would just do the shadiest stuff. And then he'd like have the whole NWO gang behind him with Hulk Hogan and all those guys come just jump everybody. But he would start it all the time. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I didn't run. I wasn't scared, but I would get um, I'd get dotted on the temple and then I was out. Um, So that's kind of how that shook out. Everybody, Dave was Eric Bischoff. That's that's what we're deciding now. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but if he was an instigator, then yes, I was that guy. So hit that like button. We need to do that right now because we got Fred White coming up. So we need to bring more people into the show. And I hope you guys love the Celebrate 98 series. It's a passion project for me, and uh, it is it is up there. And Fred's going to talk more about that. Did anybody know that Fred was homeless and Eric Westmoreland took him in i sure as heck didn't did anybody know that billy ratliff purposefully cheated on the final play final defensive drive against arkansas by using his head as a spear into brandon burlesworth's chest three straight times which was illegal at the time because he was like i can't beat this guy so i'm gonna go ahead and drive the crown of my head into his chest that's what caused the blow-up play where sterner ends up fumbling the ball that's all in the celebrate 98 series and i'm i'm very proud of it not because of me any monkey could ask questions of all those guys and get great answers so i'm just proud to be a part of it so i want you to check that out over the weekend we got sean ellis coming up t martin Dwayne goodrich basically everybody you can imagine and we'll test the waters on philip fulmer next week i'm not sure how that'll go he and i have an up and down relationship but i'll give him a call next week and we'll see but we're looking at having randy sanders and david cutcliffe I can promise you that if I'm a part of it, we will not have John Chavis because he hates my guts. Today's tough question is now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason. I'll tell you more. Today's tough question. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. I'll give John Chavis credit on this. He never physically threatened me. 
His son did, but he didn't. <laughs> oh, I think his son came at me on Twitter. I don't know if it's the same son, but one of his sons came at me on Twitter years ago for just, I said the most benign negative thing. All I said was, great at preparation, but he has struggled with adjustments, in-game adjustments. It was a glowing article on John Chavis. I actually, but it was just that one thing. I said he struggled with in-game adjustments. No. He's not a, not a good coach. He just had a lot of talent. I'll say that. Um, no, but I think this was close to getting more physical, and I would have lost because he was an MMA fighter. It wouldn't have gone well. Why are we talking about me fighting so much in the beginning of the program? I'm, I'm actually, I got called him like, John Chavis should have been the MMA fighter. The way he, you know that voice. When's the last time you've been in a fight, Caleb? I never fought. Are you kidding? I was like, when I was 10 playing basketball in the neighborhood. Are you kidding? I never fought. I was yeah. not that guy at all. Rebecca I'm, says, Scrappy Dave. No, I, I was never afraid of a fight. I also wasn't afraid to lose, which I don't know if that's a good combination or not. But. I'm, um, do you ever watch the uh there, bill burr has a stand-up where he talks about how he loves the pacers pistons brawl that happened in 04 and he said i love violence just not when it's being done to me but i mean i love violence like and that's me and- yeah I, I tell you the last fight i was on i was in the strip i was a senior in college and i didn't say no more fighting forever because of i got hurt because I saw what my buddies, I mean we, uh, the, Powell's offensive line had a tennessee signee a vanderbilt signee and they weren't even the two toughest guys. That was my best friend at the time. So I saw what happened to another guy, and I was like, I don't want to be a part of it because that guy might still be sipping food through straws, and that's been over 20 years ago. I don't ever want to see that again. And I was like, I'm not fighting anymore. My wife goes, thank you. Good. We weren't married at the time. It's brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate, who I grew up with, and we never fought. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Save thousands or tens of thousands of dollars with AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best service, best prices in the biz. It's AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Sign up. Rebecca, do not encourage me. Rebecca says, Scrappy Dave, I like it. I don't no, no. Okay, so fighting is one of the things that you had to be concerned about back in the day, especially before the strip was a big, huge apartment complex. And Tennessee's coaches had to be concerned about players getting in trouble. I remember there was one fight in which um I can't remember his name, but he absolutely decked a player in intramurals. And he um that was do you remember who that was by chance? He Tony in intramural basketball. What's that? Tony McDaniel. Wasn't that the Tony McDaniel suspension? It was. And uh, could have killed the guy. And okay, so there were all these old school problems. And one that Caleb is is going to bring up is DUI and is drinking and is drugs. But those are kind of old school problems. Um, and I want to compare them to gambling. So Let's use this as a backdrop. What's happening at other schools right now, Caleb, and with other athletes? Because while I think DUIs are on the decline, I think, and it's not, oh, I got away with driving home last night. That used to be my generation, which is awful. Um, And goodness gracious, uh, I I would take back a million nights. Um, Not a million, but um, so, Caleb – we have issues going on now still with, with, with drinking and driving. What are some of the, the latest that have, have cropped up there? So um, some of the latest are recently Georgia wide receiver Denylon Morissette was arrested early morning 
or early Monday morning uh, for several charges, including a DUI following too closely and speed limit violations. And he's another Georgia player caught in a traffic violation, which there's been a bunch this all season. And again, we've been talking about it. Kirby Smart doesn't seem to care. But beyond uh, beyond this receiver, then Alan Morissette, who actually did play 11 games last year, we find out that Jalen Carter, this drag racing incident that got somebody killed in January, he was driving on a suspended license at the time. That came out yesterday. In between those two, Henry Ruggs, who we all knew had his incident two years ago, has decided he's going to plead guilty. He's going to face three to ten years in prison. Some people are mad about that. I would say to those people, it was uh, obviously Henry Ruggs did not plan to murder somebody. He should be in prison, yes. But what good does it do anybody to keep him in prison for life? Does nobody any good? Doesn't do the victims any good? It doesn't do society any good to keep him in prison for life when he wasn't actually, this guy's not, he does, he's not a psychopathic murderer. He made a horrible mistake and a horrible decision. Yeah, it was almost over the top, though, in terms of drive. I mean, if you've ever been to Vegas and been on the strip, I mean, you just got to be an idiot to speed on the strip because it is it, miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much traffic, even at 4 a.m. I mean, that that was as dumb as DUIs maybe I've ever heard of. OK, I mean, that was bad. So I would go harder on him. I've always thought that they should be on work release program and all the money that they make NFL players. And, and they have and Tony Robinson had had to do this. He got off on work release to be a scab player. And as soon as the NFL strike was over, Tony Robinson, the former Tennessee quarterback, he had to go right back to prison. So then he watched the Redskins win that Super Bowl that year that he was a part of in prison. So I've always thought that what they should do is they should be on the work release program. They should be able to go out, make their money, and then all of that money goes back to the victims. And they the have family, to show the family of the victims. Yeah, yeah, the family of the victims, or you know, the victims if they they lived but they were severely injured, whichever the case may be. So that's that's what I would have done. But don't to get sidetracked. I think these are things that have been somewhat addressed. I think these are things that are always going to be around in our society, and you should always be concerned about it. But Kirby Smart clearly hasn't addressed it, but yes. <laughs> well, no, Kirby, Kirby Smart had better. And I think that racing is a as, as big or a bigger issue of DUI from a very good source in the Georgia program that I was, I was, I was told. That's an issue because you have that little strip between Athens and Atlanta – that it was almost like it was made for racing. I mean, it's just a wide open four lane road. It's uh, separated by median. I mean, really, if you wanted to race, that's the, that's the ultimate place of any place I've traveled to do it. And I, I think though that Kirby smart has, has a problem there. And I think that he will try to address it, but all of these issues guys, as far as DUI racing, uh, doing drugs, the stuff that you know my generation did as kids that were, were stupid, I don't think are as big of a problem. And I'm going to tell you why. One, I can tell you my kids and their friends, they think alcohol is stupid. They do. They just don't think that it, it makes much sense. Now, I think there are going to be kids that, uh, you know, you have – you have marijuana that's legal now, and we may have some people that still think marijuana is actually absolutely a terrible gateway drug and all that. But I think that you know, 
even players I talk to think that's a better option um, if, if you want to chill out on the weekend or whatever. So that you're less likely to get in trouble with marijuana, I believe. I think the biggest issue moving forward, and it's starting now, is by far gambling. So today's tough question. I'll lump all the old school problems together, Caleb, that athletic directors and coaches had to worry about. You got all those. I'll take gambling. I think gambling is going to be a bigger problem for athletic directors in the next five, ten years than everything else combined. So let's 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 say up front, guys, what we're talking about is affecting programs, not affecting society. The old right. school programs right. affect society a lot worse. Um, yes. But I agree gambling is going to be a heck of a lot worse because there's no uniform standard. There's really no way to control it. There are no laws on the books right now at all to address this. I mean, every state has relatively the same DUI laws. You can't drink a drive or you have to pay a penalty. There aren't really any laws on sports gambling at all. And it's no oh, wait. wait, it's an NCAA violation. Giggle, giggle. So is paying players, but that's, that never stopped anybody. I mean, it's an NCAA a violation. That's not going to stop anybody. No, and here's the other problem. If you crack down on gambling, and this is the big thing, which I think they should. They need to crack down. Dave, you and I know this. These 18-year-olds who get all this money, they're going to start gambling then under the table or illegally or having other people place bets for them, at which point they get in bad with really bad people. I mean, we which know is, this. Like, sorry? Which is how the Tim Donaghy thing in the NBA went from – a zero to about a 12. Yeah. Or to use this analogy, 25 miles an hour to 150 miles an hour, really fast, like within weeks. Exactly. I mean, they're going to start like having, you know, Tony Soprano based place bets for them and making deals with the mob. And I mean, I'm I'm serious. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what's going to happen. That's what happened. Look, we firmly believe Michael Jordan. That was a gambling suspension in 1993, 94. He was tied to some really bad people that he was betting on golf games with. You don't think that's going to happen with college football players who are younger than Michael Jordan a lot of times, dumber than Michael Jordan a lot of times. <laughs> and I, I, I just, that, this is a, this is, and what happens when, you know, drug lords, mobs, gangsters are connected to your football program because people are wanting to place gambling bets under the table and not get caught. Travis says, come on, Dave, we were able to gamble in the 90s just as easy. Maybe that just wasn't my vice, but I didn't know how to do that. I could have gotten into a lot of trouble, but it wouldn't have been gambling. So maybe that's just me. I'd fill out a parlay sheet, and if I put 20 bucks on it, that was a lot of money to me, so it didn't go any deeper than that. Now you have kids that have money, and you've got an app. That's so easy. I mean, you could literally do that in less than five minutes. So Fred White coming up next. It's a football Friday with Fred. So stay tuned. Some thoughts that he had on why Tennessee's players didn't receive money at all in the 90s. And he stands by that firmly. We'll go with Fred White in two minutes. A football Friday with Fred on Off Talk Sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. 
My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, let's get to Fred White. Love it. Fred White joins us each and every Friday. Portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, including Fred White's appearance. Go to TN Cider Company. It's phenomenal. And they bring you the Celebrate 98 series, which is up and running. Interviews with Eric Westmoreland and a guy named Billy Ratliff, who made kind of a big play that is on our YouTube channel. Fred, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Dave. How about yourself? I'm fantastic, man. I'm kind of ready for the weekend. Um, and, um, and, and good to go. A lot of things I want to talk to you um, about, but one of the things that, so I'm just going to be really honest. Um, Fred, Billy, and Eric and I have, and players in the future, we will have some interesting conversations off the record and off the air, of which I'm not going to share some of that stuff. But one that I wanted to share that really blows me away, and I was talking to somebody who's a huge Tennessee fan yesterday, and I was telling him this, and he just didn't, he just flat out didn't believe it. And I was like, okay, I don't care if you believe it or not. I'm telling you as a friend, they told me this off the record and I believe it. So I think we have this perception that everybody had their handout and that boosters were given hundred dollar handshakes at the very least. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and t I'll share something off the record. Fred and, uh, Billy and I talked about that. Fred, you guys didn't take any money. 
and I'll, I'll stake my reputation on it because I know you as a very, very close friend. And you didn't for a one big reason. And why was that? You didn't want to get in trouble or get caught. Because you got in trouble, you got caught. You couldn't play anywhere. Not just at University of Tennessee. You couldn't transfer and go anywhere and play. Your career was over. That was it. That's true. And you also would have hurt the university and maybe a chance at a championship. And I think you said something, you would have let your teammates down. How big of a factor was that? Absolutely. You didn't want to let your teammates down. I I remember, I recall when Coach Fulmer came into the room, 98 year, and it's a locker room. And, um, uh, uh, no, team meeting room. And they tell us that, you know, one of our guys, one of our leaders had um, taken some money and he was going to be in Elves before the season. And then they brought up Al Wilson. You could hear a pin drop in the room. Oh, wow. Al went up there and gave a fake apology. You know, it was all a setup. They had got him to, you know, set him up to do this. But the room was so quiet. And we were sitting there trying to figure out, like, well, what are we going to do with our football season? So to have him do that, and it's Al Wilson, and he's the guy portraying that as if he took money, that was one of the most impactful moments of my career at UT when it comes to a team meeting room. Because that – you knew at that moment, dang, we got, we're not going to be able to play with our, with our best players on the team. Like, our leader, he – he took money. What? Thank God it was a it was a prank, but it, that took the that was the message. That message hit home for everybody because it made you realize, like, whoa, wait a minute. If you take the money, then you're done, and you do hurt your team. Wow. Okay, so the the the, the bond you don't want to let each other down, but then it's kind of cyclical because. You're all broke. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you were telling me about cookouts that people would throw in $20 if they had $10, $5 if they had $5, or zero if they had $0. And I think it was Tyson Park. Mm-hmm. And so everybody being broke brought you together because it yeah. took a collective, not like the collectives now, to have a cookout. It took a collective to have a cookout. So they would give you $15 after a football game, right? That $15 was supposed to feed you for Sunday, right? Because the cafeteria was closed. Because the cafeteria was closed. You, you had one meal on Sunday. Cafeteria closed after breakfast. If you don't make it to breakfast, you're pretty much, that's it, you know? And after breakfast, you don't have anything else outside of that, that that's open. You had to feed yourself. That's That was the rules back then. And think about something. You get $15. You're probably going to go to Gus's or somewhere on the strip and get you a meal after the game. We didn't have – they didn't have a meal waiting for us after the game like these guys do. You just got $15. That was it. So you took five of those dollars to probably buy you a Gus burger or, you know, shout out to Gus's on campus. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's probably what – because it was like $5 and some change. So, you know, now you got $10 left basically, you know, and – you may spend some of that too to, to eat the next day. So 
we were doing cookouts and guys just whatever they had left over would be five dollars three dollars two dollars whatever it may be somebody may have ten somebody may have eight whatever you had you bring it to the table and we're gonna go get money get food and eric westmore there's not gonna be a guy that played on the defensive side of the ball that don't tell you about this same thing about how we pool money together to have cookouts I can go all the way down the list. Sean Ellis is going to talk about it. Darren Walker is going to talk about it. Jeff Coleman is going to talk about it. Al Wilson is going to talk about it. Dion is going to talk about it. Uh, Dwayne Gribbles is going to talk about it. Steve Johnson, Cozy, every last guy that we bring on, I'm going to bring this up. Wow. Every last I've... guy. You remember the cookouts we used to have? Yeah, man, we used to pull our money together. Absolutely. I can't. I just. I mean, I can't. And, and you guys are doing monumental things. And I just can't imagine if, you know, sending my son off, which was the age that you guys were. And here he only, you know, especially if I didn't have anything to give him, he's got $15 to get through um, basically almost like 36 hours to eat. And, it just that to me really stood out. Uh, Caleb, jump in here. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. They've been in business for 50 years. So you know that you're going to be taken care of. That HVAC unit may not need to be replaced, may just need a part or free on. Caleb? Fred, how much of what was happening in the 90s did that have an impact on you guys too? And what I mean by that is when you were being recruited, you were being recruited, you were part of the 95 signing class, I believe, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. That was right as Miami went on probation. That was just as Auburn was coming off probation. Alabama had the Antonio Langham scandal, which had mm-hmm. them on probation, that they had to forfeit mm-hmm. all their games. How much of that weighed on you like, oh, this is really serious? Because that seemed like the, you hate to say this, but the golden age of the NCAA bringing the hammer down on teams. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got to keep in mind, when I my, the team that I committed to was Miami. And they went on probation. Alabama was a school I wasn't going to go to because they tried to lie about them being, being able to go, you know, getting ready to go on probation. And then Ole Miss, it just came off probation. And you know what I mean? So, like, that's why you don't take money. Like, man, I can't take no money because I, you don't want to be the guy that got your team in trouble. Because the guy's going to look at you different afterwards. You have let them down. That, that's not – you just didn't want to be the guy. Now, if, did somebody take some money? If I, if they did, I didn't know about it. Mm. Um, uh, that that bond that just kept that—that's the theme of the series. Um, is that bond that just kind of keeps cycling to to make good things happen and to save lives, uh, basically. So I'd encourage people uh, to check it out. But Fred, there's one one thing I want to throw at you. So, um. I see that high school teams will play each other in a spring game. Mm-hmm. And that's different from college. I realize that. But I'm curious what your thoughts would be if, let's say, Tennessee played Clemson in a in a spring game. Is that something that's even doable? Because the spring games are kind of boring right now. Uh, what's just, you know, and, and for, uh, the thing about, I love about Fred, if I come up with a stupid idea, he'll just say that's stupid. 
But what do you think? <laughs> what would you think about that to draw a little bit more interest in into spring games? It's pretty bland this year. I mean, spring game ain't really for. It's not really a game. It's just kind of to showcase what you have. You're building for the next year, really. I don't. I don't put any stock in the spring game. Not an ounce of it, because some of the guys that are going to be playing on Saturdays during the fall won't even really suit up for spring game. You know, you're only going to see snippets of guys. It's really to come and see the young guys more than it is to see a guy who's a um, a superstar on the team. You know what I mean? Like, those guys aren't going to play that long in the game. Yeah, I mean, you want to come see a guy like a Nico or one of the receivers that, that came in. These are the guys that you want to see, the young guys. You want to see what they look like, how, do, how much did they progress. That's more so than anything. So if we were going, you would sell tickets, yeah, but you also risk having an injury that could end up lasting all the way to the, you know, to the season. I mean, I don't feel like there's a need to play another team. So you're just saying it's a stupid idea by Dave. It's not my first, won't be my last. No, I'm not going to say it's a stupid idea, but <laughs> because quite frankly, they might do some stuff like this. But I just look at it like it's an extra game that you really don't have to play, and you, it's an opportunity to get injured. Yeah. Anytime you play, put it up with a pseudo pass, man, it's, it's an opportunity to get injured, especially when you're going against somebody else. I mean, yeah, they do it in high school. This is college, you know? Yeah. So it's Maybe a little like bit it different. is. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different. I mean, they do the scrimmages team to team in the NFL, yeah. mm-hmm. which I always thought was interesting. Um, I don't see how tempers don't flare more often, but they always do, Fred. We always yeah. see a tussle. Mm-hmm. They do, and so, I think it's some it's some about the element of surprise. Let's say you have to play that team later on, and we play we play Clemson in a spring game, and then all of a sudden now we got Clemson in a bowl game or a playoff. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather play them in the playoffs. Yeah, fair point. Uh, speaking of the spring game, I, I'm mixed on Cam Seldon running back, mm-hmm. and I know you watched it, and I know you talked to people within the program. We've seen a lot of guys like Kirst Vigors come through and have good springs, and I, I like Dylan Sampson a lot. We obviously know what Tennessee's going to get out of Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. So – is Cam Seldon a real thing? Should we be buying him for the upcoming season, or was that a guy to take on some carries in spring camp? Oh no, I think he's a real deal. Okay, I think at six two, two hundred and some odd pounds, the way he runs, his speed, vision, I think he's a guy that you're gonna see on the football field. I think he's somebody you'll see play on Saturdays. He's gonna find a way to make some time in there. Dylan Sampson, I think is. He might be the best of them all, too. But I think he may be the best of them. We have a good problem to have right now in our, in our back, backfield. You can't, you can't never have too many. I mean, if you look at what we had, we, Jamal Lewis went down, we plug in Travis and Travis. I mean, you can never have too many. I mean, we, and the next year, our senior year, we have Travis and Travis, and we bring in a guy by the name of um, Ontario Smith. So – you can never have too many home run hitters in your backfield. I mean, that's a good problem to have. The problem you're going to have is trying to figure out how to get the ball in all the hands and keep them happy more than anything. Fred, uh, 
it's, it's funny you bring up the Travis's. How much did I, I can't remember if I talked to you about this last week or not, but I, I remember we I know we've heard a lot of stories. You guys all knew how good T Martin was, and no one else did. But were y'all were y'all surprised or did y'all know that Travis Hendrew would be able to just so easily adequately replace Jamal Lewis when he went down in nineteen in two thousand in ninety eight in nineteen ninety eight after the Auburn game? I'll say you can't replace a Jamal Lewis. First of all, you can never <laughs> you can't you can't play replace a a, a Bartier. <laughs> oh, remember the Titans. There we go. Is that the game where they call a reverse on the last play and it goes eighty yards for a touchdown? Like that would never happen in real life. Okay, it happened. Happy Gilmore too. No, no, Happy Gilmore. Um, <laughs> what was the Adam Sandler football movie? Longest Yard. Longest Yard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the Adam, that um, Bobby Boucher. Oh, Waterboy. Oh, Waterboy. Yeah, yeah they, Waterboy. Called, they called a halfback pass on that. But it was a reverse. But it, but he passed it. Yeah, but it was yeah, but it was it was a reverse thrown back to the quarterback on the last play. <laughs> <laughs> like like anybody would ever fall for that. <laughs> I can't remember Caleb's question. What was your question again, Caleb? I, I, I remember the question. Okay. So you can't replace a Jamal Lewis. I don't yeah. If Jamal doesn't get injured, we're in a whole different we, we wear everybody out. There's not even a close game past Florida. If wow. Jamal Lewis doesn't get hurt, you see what he did against Auburn? He had ran for the first time he touched the ball, it was a 70-yard touchdown. Who's just getting started? I mean, Travis Stevens went for 100 yards against Georgia, and no, no offense to Travis Stevens, but Jamal Lewis was on a roll. He would have wore he would have wore Georgia out. Out that that hundred yards for Travis Stevens would have been probably 180, 200 for Jamal. Yep. It's plain and simple. You know what I mean? Now you take Travis Stevens his senior year against that same Georgia defense, he might go for 200. But at that time, he wasn't that same back. You know what I mean? Um, I think that when he went down, i never forget Coach Fulmer calling up the team to tell us that he had injured his knee and he may be back for a bowl game, but not likely, right? And I remember everyone looking at the running backs like, okay, well, don't nobody in the country know what else we have but us. We've already seen these guys. We knew what they could do. So we weren't you – know, we got two running backs sitting over here that can do the same job as Jamal when it comes to, like, I think you add their skills together, they make a Jamal. Yep. And you talk about <clears throat> overcoming injury. A, a lot of people forget that Al was beat up that year. Yeah. Um, and that speaks volumes, but – but it was amazing how he was still a leader on the sideline. I'll never forget mm-hmm. him th- having that towel and being halfway on the field cheering you guys on. Man, leadership comes regardless of whether you're on the field or not. You know what I mean? If you're the voice of the team, you still be the voice. You don't you don't take your voice away. And usually when guys are injured, they don't make the road trip. I'm so happy that Coach Fulham brought Al anyway. That makes a difference because we had we had one of the best defensive games we had all year, and our and our defensive leader wasn't even there. So we're um, 
we are um looking at at this season and Eric Westmoreland, I think it's a you acted like it was the first time he said it and uh, on our recent video that's on our YouTube channel, but he said you were like the uncle. Because <laughs> Al was Al was the <laughs> I, I view Al as the fiery dad who comes home mad after work. And Al and Fred's kind of the uncle that calms down everybody and the guy that you can go to for ad- advice. What did you think of him calling you the uncle? You know, I think I don't think anybody had ever explained it to me that way. Um, but I get it. I, and I take it. I take it as a sign of respect too, because I was. I, I could see myself as being the uncle because I was. So for most of the young guys that came in, that's you know, show y'all the right way to do this. No, you can't do it this way. You got to do it this way. You know, this will get you in trouble. I know because I already did it. <laughs> and I'm a Jay Z guy. Hove did that. Hopefully, so you wouldn't have to go through that. So don't. don't <laughs> my workout song every day. Don't don't follow my footsteps and do what I just told you not to do. I told you don't do that. Don't do that. That'll get you in trouble. So basically, what you're saying is, I like to, re- I like to refer to Caleb as Aunt Calhoun. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, Fred, what you're saying is, you were the guy that like took the player under your wing and warned him, like, "You want to come to me before you want to you want me to come to you before Al comes to you." Is what you're saying? <laughs> you want me to come to you before the coaches get on you. You uh, want yeah. me to come to you before you're in. So you in the in the breakfast club, which means you got to check in every morning. Uh, hey, man, you want to do all that? If you want some freedom. Do this. Okay. You don't want to you don't want to listen to me? Let me show you what's gonna happen. Here it is. I've seen plenty of guys come in here as one of the top players in the country and leave in two semesters. I, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where I did make a lot of mistakes my freshman year. I was mischievous. I did get into fights. And I also would tell them not to fight and then go pick the fight with whoever they were ready to fight with. If you walk, I promise you, if you on campus and one of my freshman guys came back to me and told me somebody was bothering them. You got a problem with me now. The coaches used to always wonder why I was in so many fights. Don't let one, don't let one of my freshmen come back and tell me somebody bothered them on campus or was talking trash to them. Oh, you talk trash to my freshman. You got to talk trash to me. And I'm coming. So I don't care if you don't like me, but you're not going to bother my teammates. Plain and simple. Who you want to fight? You want you want to fight them? Well, you got to fight me first. I promise you're not going to win this battle. So, because we talked about this earlier, Fred, before you're on the show, did were you ever hanging out with Dave and he started a fight? You know, when you had his back, just because he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, we were talking earlier, Fred. We were talking I got a story earlier. though. I got a story though. Okay, let me. Okay, what's the story? What's the story? Oh man. Is it, 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 can you tell it? Am I, am I going to be forever embarrassed? <laughs> so we went to Atlanta. We were, we was, we were recruiting Eric Berry. We, I and was covering. You You were covering. You know. I, I, was, I was trying to, you know, I, was, I knew Eric already, but, like, we went to the <laughs> – So my cousin comes to get us, and we go to this club, right? I remember we walked up to the door. Dave was like, you sure I can come in here? I said, man, you and me. We going anywhere we want to go. What you talking about? 
<laughs> oh my God. You should see Dave walk in the club. It was so hilarious. And my brother was like, I got you. <laughs> my, my cousin was behind him, like, oh, we, you good. We got you. You're all right. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to bother you. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I immediately went to the bar and got some liquid courage at that point. You did. Yep. You sure did. <laughs> oh, Lord. And then uh, for reasons we won't get into, um, uh, uh, somebody named Austin Price. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Austin. Yeah, no, I'm going to talk about that. But he had a sleeping <laughs> couch in the hotel lobby. Um, portions of the program <laughs> are brought to you by Craft uh, Treats. Go to crafttreats.com. And with uh, crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook. Use the promo code off the hook. You get 20% off of uh, CBD treats that we probably could have used to chill us out a little bit. And it helps with digestive issues. It also helps with your uh, pet's anxiety and your pet's arthritis. Uh, My dog has arthritis and takes it, uh, and it's fantastic. So go to crafttreats.com, use a promo code off the hook for all their treats, CBD or otherwise, and get 20% off. That's the promo code off the hook. You mentioned Al Wilson. In that interim, you're still very tied into the university. You still... I mean, Fred, for those that don't know, um, he'll have players that will call him that played seven, eight, ten years after and say, hey, what do you think about maybe this business deal or this sort of thing? And um, who's the best leader do you think that Tennessee has had since Al Wilson? It's a tough Tough. one. If you got two or three, throw them at me. Yeah, that's that's a a tough one because – I don't think nobody can measure up to what he did. Well, no, no, nowhere close to him, but just in the time period since. Who 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 has been a great leader for Tennessee? And Caleb, maybe you have some ideas. I don't I got one already in my head, but I'll see where you guys go so, first. So so it's almost like you're asking, let me just kind of give you what I'm thinking, okay? So Reggie White's one of the greatest players to ever play the game in Tennessee anywhere. Well, Who's kind of in that same light with him? Eh, it ain't well, really nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> you so know what basically, basically what we're talking about is Al was Mount Everest, and and we're talking about somebody that might be the equivalent of a uh, a small hill in Powell, Tennessee. So see that that's that's the difference though. Like our coaches gave us the ability to be our own leaders. Yeah. They didn't have to create us to be leaders we became our own leaders by what we did and how we acted and our integrity and our character. You can't manufacture a leader. And that's what I think has happened over the years since us. One of somebody, you know, because he's the running back or because he's the quarterback, he has to be a leader. And that might not make not necessarily the truth. So I look at leadership differently. Um, most of these teams we've had lately, had coaches that wanted to be the leader of the team instead of the players lead themselves. So I can't really look and see who I say, who I would think would be that, you know what I mean? Like, so uh, who was yours, Caleb? Who was your suggestion? I was going to say, and again, not close to Al Wilson's level at all, but I thought Don Henderson was a pretty good leader of the 01 Tennessee team, which was the closest team since the 98 team uh, to getting to a national title. You know who I'm gonna say? The two guys I'm uh, two guys I will say. I thought Kurt Majit 
And AJ Johnson did a good job of being leaders. Yeah, the 2014 team. That's right. I thought they did a really good job of being leaders. And and that that that's that's who I'll go with. And then I think the the obvious one, but we're talking so recently, is Hendon Hooker. When I when I interview Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren for the ball reports. I mean, there's this kind of – they have a similar admiration in a different way. I'm not talking fiery leader, but he he can get fiery from what I've been told. But they have the same type of admiration for Hendon Hooker that you guys had for Al Wilson. It's the same type of feel. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a huge stretch, do you? I don't think it's a huge stretch. I think he's a good leader too. But I also think Joe Milton's a good leader. I think he's going to be one. I think he's done a really good job of being, I mean, every being a leader, man, everybody respects you. Everybody on the team respects you. And they don't just respect you because you got a name. They respect you because of the work you put in. That's why we respect the Al so much. He demanded so much out of us. But if you watch him work, you have to work as hard because he worked his butt off. So, you know, I think, the, the leadership came from watching him not just talk the game, but live it, put in the work, do all the little things right. Those are the things that make a good leader. And I think that's what Joe does, which I think is the reason why he's going to have a good year this year coming up. Now, I've heard the same thing. I've heard a different type of leader than Hendon, but mm-hmm. definitely a leader. Fred, hey, if people need- before- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Fred, the way you talk about Al Wilson, I just wanted to ask your thoughts. I'm sure you saw the last dance of the Michael Jordan documentary a couple of years ago, and there was this debate on whether Michael Jordan was too hard on his players. But it seems like, based on your experience with Al, you totally would have embraced playing for Michael Jordan and what he did in practice. Am I right? Absolutely. Because, man, here's the thing. If you're going to play any sport, especially football, you need to be mentally tough in the first place. And if somebody brings something to your doorstep and tell you that you're not doing something the right way or you're not giving your all or whatever, I mean, they obviously saw something you did. So it's called constructive criticism. Be coachable. Not just be coachable from your coaches, be coachable from your teammates as well. How else do you think you're going to win games? If I came to the sideline, I've come to the sideline several times and Deion Grant get on my case because I, I missed a call or I missed a read. Or I'll get on him. Or we'll get on Dwayne or whatever. That's what you do. You're supposed to in order to be better. We, we went to practice every day, and our thought process was, Al Wilson would say, we have imperfect practice today. You know how much pressure that is? That means make no mistakes, none. Get everything right. If you drop a pass, you're one of my That's how we practiced. <laughs> That's how we practiced. And if you're the person who messed up our perfect practice, hey, man, you're going to hear from everybody. You're obviously not paying attention. And if you're a second-string guy, we ran the same plays with the first team that we do with the second team in the same order. So if you actually mess up as a second-team guy, hey, man, you're never going to touch our football field. <laughs> you don't want you on it. <laughs> you're not you're obviously not paying attention to what's going on so strong um fred if people need insurance all they have to do if they're in the state of georgia and soon to be tennessee but the, if they're in the state of georgia all they got to do buddy is reach out uh, to you they can google you pretty easy mm-hmm. um and uh, you're fantastic what makes your practice different maybe than some some other ones you know we're willing to help regardless of whether you do business with us or not. We're willing to give you the information that you may need. And at some point, let us earn your business. If you don't like what we have at the moment, give us a few moments 
and we'll catch we'll catch up to you later and, and, and find a way to be able to do business with you. Our whole goal is to earn your business, not just accept it because you want to, you know, just want a, a quote. My job is to earn your business and keep your business, but also doing annual reviews, doing six-month reviews, making sure that you know what's going on in your insurance business and what the rates are doing, what the state is doing with insurance, those type of things. Just giving you information that you may not have or giving you information that you never even thought about. So our goal is to educate every person that, that comes our way to make sure they understand what they're dealing with, understand what they're, what they're getting, um, and just be of help and of service to our community. So you can give us a call at any time. Our phone number is 770-381-0367. Again, that is 770-381-0367. Or you can also catch us online at fredwhiteallstate.com. Love it. Thanks, Fred. We will talk to you soon. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, brother. You guys Fred have White a good one. And, Go balls. Uh, thanks, Fred. Appreciate that. He's got his orange on. Right. And I'll tell you what, um, if you haven't tuned into the Celebrate 98 series, it's been pretty classic. We're going to be back in uh, just two minutes. And um, projecting to the season. club Dave went into with Fred. Sorry. Yeah, that didn't go well. Um, so I was at another club one time in Atlanta. I think it was SEC. No, it wasn't SEC Media Days. But anyway, we um, we go into this place just because it was the closest place to grab a beer where we were staying. And this is Austin Ward, who now covers Ohio State. And I remember there was a spotlight because I mean, I'm completely comfortable around different people, but there's a spotlight and said, We would like to welcome the only two Caucasians in the room. <laughs> <laughs> they spotlighted us. Oh, Lord. And me and Austin Ward, and everybody started laughing. It was super cool. It was, it was funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, Fred. Uh, Fred and I have some stories. Those are the ones we can tell on the air. Two minutes and Tennessee's depth chart. We're going to lay it out for you. Who needs to wait until the fall? He's Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. Tennessee's depth chart. I think it's pretty simple, but uh, Caleb and I have a bit of a disagreement on some of those. Stay tuned. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I wanna be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts, ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Remember, Vassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive, it's worth driving Cleveland. If you need to restock your industrial or commercial fleet or you're starting a landscaping company, their buying power will save you money. Also, residential. Bassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Go to Bassy.com for more. That's Bassy Lawn and Garden. They bring you the ball report with Jacob Warren that is on our YouTube channel. So, Caleb, we're going to get into the too deep, my man. And we want feedback from you guys if you agree or disagree on our message board. So, uh, I think. Let's take a look at the two deep. And if you want to uh, kind of follow along or you want to read about it, it is on offthehooksports.com. So uh, pretty big undertaking. And we feel pretty good about this. So as far as the two deep, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on the offensive side or defensive side? And then you can present to me and I'll tell you if I disagree, because this column was written by our one and only uh, Caleb Calhoun. So, Let's start what with offense. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna I was gonna say let's start with offense. I didn't okay. So we will uh start with offense as we project the depth chart, the two deep depth chart for 2023. So let's start with offense. I'll tell you if I if I agree or disagree. And I might have some of my fun new drops because you know how juvenile that I can be, even pushing 50. All right, so Caleb, what do you got? All right, so quarterback. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to say, here's what you need to do if you want to be a part of the program in the future. Um, and also, if you want to um, get notifications, turn your net notifications on. But Jacob Warren, what do they need to do? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Yes, I do. Thank you, Jacob. I do need that. So uh, we need you to like and subscribe. All right. So what do you got for me? Uh, let's start on offense. You go. And I'm going to tell you if I agree or disagree via drops. All right. So quarterback, I don't think any controversy. Joe Milton is the number one. And Nico, where's the sound effect, Dave? Nico. Yeah, Yes. Is number two on the depth chart. I don't think Gaston Moore is going to be in the two deep, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. Hey, now. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, running back. Now, here's the first, like, twist. I got Jabari Small as the starter, the feature back. And I got Dylan Sampson taking the number two back role from Jalen Wright, guys. 
I love what you're doing with Samson. I do. I do. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I think that Dylan Sampson is the next superstar at Tennessee. Hey now. All right. <laughs> Whiteout. Uh the number one whiteout's gonna be Brew McCoy. Anybody disagree with that? You've agreed that he's the best NFL prospect on offense, right? Yes. Okay. Number two, and this isn't set in stone, but I think Ramel Keaton is going to hold on to the number two wideout spot. And I think Dante Thornton Jr. will be the first wideout right off the bench behind McCoy and Keaton. And then fourth, and here's my big one, Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod were earlier recruits, but I think Nathan Leacock has, has moved ahead of them. So I think he's going to be the, he's a freshman. I think he's the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. So you think Thornton will play on the outside because we're just talking about wide we're talking about the wideouts, not the slot receiver that Jalen Hyatt played last year. We're gonna get to the slot spot. I think Thornton can play in either spot. So I think he'll be the first off the bench in both spots. That's crazy. I've got Thornton above Keaton. If he plays on the outside, I've got Thornton above Keaton. And so does Tracy Morgan. <laughs> okay, wow. Uh All right, here we go. You know what's funny is I was the Dante Thornton as Kevin Durant in this offense, but that's when I thought he was going to be the starter in the slot. The wideout, I think, is a pure wideout. Keaton's better. But in the slot, I've got Squirrel White starting, and again, I've got Thornton as the number two slot guy. So Thornton will be the first off the bench at wideout or slot, which is why he'll see a good bit of action. Do we agree, Hank Kingsley? Hey, now. Yes, we do. All right, tight end. All right, tight end. Dave, we know you need the subscriptions. Jacob Ward needs the starts. So. Yes. Everybody, this is Jacob Warren asking you to like, <laughs> subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Okay. Uh, you got Jacob Warren and McAllen Castles. Yes, I do. I'm, I have McAllen Castles because Miles Campbell's transfer, transferred. I believe in Ethan Davis, but I've heard enough stories that he's very, very, very raw. And with Princeton yes. gone, I don't think he's going to be able to be the backup tight end this year. I think next year, he moves ahead of everybody and becomes a starter. But I think this year, Warren and then a veteran and McAllen Castles will be the two guys. I'm going I'm to lightly disagree because I haven't heard enough great stuff about Castles. Okay? I haven't heard anything bad. I'll tell you if, if I hear any reason that I don't think he will play. But I think that there's a possibility they would go four wide when Jacob's not on the field. And I think there's a possibility that you would like, like Ethan Davis Davis because of his athleticism. So I'm not, I'm not downing Castles. I'm just unsure about Castles, but it is May. All right. So What we largely agree is this year it's not going to be a by-committee tight end set. It's going to be Jake Warren or four wide for mo most of the time. I would think, yeah, it was it was pretty much 50-50. They swapped um, series last year, Princeton yeah. fan and, and Jacob. So I don't think you're going to see that. All right, so let's run through the offensive line. All right, left tackle. Uh, I did not think this was going to work out, but uh, I've heard enough good reports that I think John Campbell Jr. takes over at left tackle this year. With Jeremiah Crawford as the backup. Yeah, I pretty much know that to be true. Hey, now. Keep rolling. All right. Um, left guard, Texas transfer, Andres Carrick. I think he takes over the starting job at left guard. And Ollie Lane is a longtime veteran, so I think he'll still be the backup left guard. I'm going to give that both a... Hey, now. And... That's crazy. I think Addison Nichols would be the backup at left guard. Okay. I think he'd be the backup at all the guard positions because I think they're a little light there. All right. Uh, Even so despite center, Ollie Lane's experience, because Ollie Lane's played a lot. You think? Yeah, I just feel like somebody I talked to actually yesterday, coincidentally enough, that it would be Nichols. Um, but if they had two guys go down, which is very possible in the SEC, I think Lane's right there. But um, go on to center. 
Okay, so my my center, and this is why I didn't have Addison Nichols in the guard spots, I've got the obvious Cooper May starting at center, but then I've actually got Addison Nichols as the backup center. And I think they're going to want to get him as many reps at center as possible so he's ready to go in case Mays gets hurt. I believe that's absolutely correct. Hey, now. All right. And so right guard, you're probably going to disagree with me on this because you did with left guard. I've got, well, you'll agree with the starter, Javante Spragans. But again, I think because Ali Lane, I think Ali Lane will be the first guard off the bench behind Carrick or Spragans. So I got him as the backup again at right guard. Okay. I, I can I, I could roll with that the same way I did a left guard. All right. Right tackle. And right tackle, Gerald Mincy moved over. I think he's going to be the starter there. And I think he's not darn all right, but I think he's a potential star. So I think he's going to be the starter. And just, and Jeremiah Crawford is going to back up John Campbell Jr. and Gerald Mincy. He'll be the number, he'll be the first tackle off the bench behind okay. Campbell and Mincy. Uh, my thoughts on the left tackle are this uh, first portions of the program brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. I do not have um, any problems with my eyesight far away or up close. And it's pretty awesome. So you need to check them out. And uh, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han also has the vision centers to take care of you. And their vision centers are simply, simply awesome. Um, as far as right tackle, it's going to be a fall off there, but I think that's the absolute direct decision that uh, Tennessee will go in. All right. Do you want to turn it to defense now? Yep. And they finally seem to have the depth they need at defense. We'll start with edge rusher, which as you know, edge rusher and defensive end are a little bit different. The edge rusher could play with his hand down or his hand off. And it just depends on, or it just depends on what they want to do in the moment. I think the starter for that one will be Roman Harrison. I know we all believe in Joshua Joseph's long-term potential, but Mike Eckler all but basically said Roman Harrison was ahead of everybody in spring camp. And I don't think he, and he's a veteran. He was third on the team in tackles for a loss last year. So I think Harrison holds it. Joseph is right behind him. Okay. Um, I can roll with that. I'll give that a big, hey now. all right. Defensive tackle. Amari Thomas is obviously the top defensive tackle. We agree with that. And then I'm going Bryson Eason will be the number two guy. Karat Garland, the number three guy. And DeJon Terry, number four. And for the record, Elijah Simmons, Nathan Robinson, and Arizona State transfer Omar Norman Lott will all be part of the rotation. I think the three main guys will be Amari Thomas, Bryson Eason, and Karat Garland. Elijah Simmons is the X factor. He has the ability, if he gets mean and aggressive, he could – I'm not comparing him to Reggie White, okay? But, you know, Reggie White was – uh, soft a little bit his junior year and then had a fantastic senior year. So if you see that sort of jump, uh, I think he has that sort of ability. He could be the guy at the end of the year that if he has the right mentality we're talking about is the breakout player on this football team. I believe that I'm not saying it'll happen because that's a mentality is a big part of the game, but it could happen. So I would, I would add that in there for a little bit of context. What else you got? Okay. Would you say Thomas and Easton will be the main starters in the middle though? Unless Simmons just suddenly goes crazy. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. So the other edge rusher, this Thomas is definitely Thomas. Definitely. I mean, if, if Simmons comes out of this, if, if Simmons just gets darn angry and I remember Albert Hainsworth, um, Jeff Fisher told him, he said, you've just got to get so angry. And during a game that because he lacked a little bit of that to play hard all the time. Now it, resulted in him raking his cleats across the Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman's face, which is bad. But if, if, if Simmons turns into that where he gets angry at football, the guy that's across from him at life during those 60 minutes, 
then that's the X factor on the defensive line and maybe the entire team. But Davis patches a Hulahan from dodgeball. You got to get mean. You got to get angry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, he needs to look over and see his wife with another man and his kids giving him the bird. That's what he needs. To go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So the other edge rusher, this is, and I, I separate the Leo versus the defensive end because the defensive end is the guy on the other side who plays always with his hand down. And I've got Ty- that I've got Tyler Barron starting there with Byron Young gar- gone, and I think Tyree West is going to back him up this year. And so I got Tyler Barron and Tyree West. I will give that a big. Hey now, that's absolutely correct. What else? All right, Mike Linebacker, Aaron Beasley resuming his role that he had last year, and I hey heard things particularly from Josh Ward that Elijah Herring will be his backup this year. I can see that. I can see that. Um, I don't think you want Aaron Beasley to get hurt, though. That's yes. If there were a list of, if there were three guys, and obviously the quarterback would, is always one with any team. And then if I made a list of three guys, Beasley might be the one guy that. But you got you got, you got Healy too. But go go ahead, continue with the list. Yeah. So I, on the weak side, which is replacing the role Jimmy Banks had, I've got Keenan Peely as the starter. But this is one where you can afford an injury because I think the guy backing him up, Arian Carter. Young guy, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about him. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. I think, and this is based off me watching their tape, and I'll do a little digging to to have some better insight next week. I think that Peely seems like a more natural fit at Mike, and then maybe you get Arian Carter and oh, you just said his name, and uh, Elijah Herring or oh, no Aaron Beasley. Yeah, maybe put Beasley on the outside. Possibly, I'm just throwing that out there. Nothing I've been told. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like Beasley was sent on a lot more rushes last year and was even less reliable in coverage than Banks, even though Beasley was a natural safety. But we'll see. So that's the only reason I had him at Mike. Because um, yes. I think weak side has to be in coverage a little bit more. Okay. And Okay, so cornerback. Now, this is my going all out there. I think Jordan Matthews becomes the number one cornerback. The freshman out of Louisiana, I think he becomes the number one cornerback, and I think he finally becomes what Josh Heupel has been looking for this whole time. I'm your huckleberry. Possibly. I think that there's a realistic chance of that. And I think he's uh, uh, he could be Tennessee's shutdown corner that they've been missing for so long. What else you got? And number two, the number two corner will be Gabe Judy Lally, the other BYU transfer on the other side. I think he's a fundamentally sound cornerback, the guy that can guard the number two receiver, but is just not athletic enough to guard the number one receiver. And that's where I got him. That's crazy. I think Gabe Judy Lally is going to be the backup at almost every position in the secondary. All right. So who starts? Well, I want, do you think my third guy starts the other, the other spot, which is Warren Burrell who returns from injury? Hey now. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the fourth cornerback on this is I have Kamal Haddon. Uh, yeah, he's a dude. All right. <laughs> I, mean, so, I don't want to say anything bad about him. man. He's fine. <laughs> he seems like a great young man. He's a nice. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Oh, he's a. You know what I need to do? Why don't you shut the hell up? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to run a kid down. All right, at the star position. All right, I'm going to be a little mean here, but uh, Tamarian McDonald was a starter all last year. I don't think he's in the rotation this year. I'm sorry. I just think he was so awful last year. I'm I'm sorry, Tamarian. I hope I didn't, Dave. I hope I didn't sabotage a negotiation you had with him on the show. But 
no. So what? But we're not going to say this about any player. You suck. Okay. You so, suck but seems like you're close to that. So I want to get far away from that. He's a fine young man. He's doing a great job. <laughs> okay. Dave is the participation trophy guy. Um, well, um, we'll see. Uh, so Danico Slaughter, I have is this is going to. He started a little bit at corner last year. I think he's going to move over to star this year and start at, at star. And. I, I would have was, I would have slaughter actually at that other cornerback position. So, but again, I'm not. I'll I'll give you insight when I have it. I'm 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 just looking at skill set. I'm not saying that that he's going to be that, but based off anything I've been told, but that just seems like that way at skill set. Go ahead. That's possible, but I thought that I thought with with Burrell and Gabe Julie neither who played last year, they would take it. But you might be right. But I have slaughter starting at start, and then I have Brandon Turnage right behind him. Turnage backed up Theo Jackson a couple of years ago. And then his one start was SEC Defensive Player of the Week. I think he might get that role back this year. Okay, so I'm much higher on Slaughter than you are. And I think Gabe Judy Lawley is going to be a utility player across the secondary and very valuable. So even if he doesn't start, I think at the end of the year, you're going to look at him and say, that's that's a very important player because somebody's going to get hurt at some point. Or that's true. Suspended because some drunken idiot comes into their girlfriend's um room which and they don't realize how strong they are and they throw a punch and accidentally break their face (laughs) (laughs) but other than that um all right what else we got all right so uh, strong safety no surprise Jalen mccullough is the starter and i think (laughs) and my shock is that i think jordan thomas takes the backup role the reason is i a lot of people talk about andre turrentine but from based on things you told me and things I've read, it just doesn't seem like he's figured it out. I'm that's crazy. I'm taking Gabe Judy Lolly as the back. You're so you got him as the backup just all across the board. I really do. Yeah, okay. I think he's I think he's a smart guy. He's gonna learn all the positions, and I think he's definitely gonna be the backup of the two safety positions. And in a pinch pinch, he would be able to do so at cornerback. All right, and that's then my free- pinch pinch. My free safety is a is the utility defensive back of last year and the guy who I thought really emerged towards the end of the year, and that's Wesley Walker, I think, is going to replace Trayvon Flowers at free safety. Hey, now. Love that. And behind him will be the son of Rodney Harrison, Christian Harrison, who I feel like is football smart. And if there's one position in the secondary that – I mean, they all require football smarts to a, degree, to a degree, but the one that requires the most football smarts is free safety, so I think Christian Harrison will be ready. Say wham. I'm with that. All right. <laughs> Trying to figure out a way to work in that draw, but I can. That one may go away. All right. Uh, do we have anybody left? Or are we good? Uh, well, special teams. I think Charles Campbell starts at kicker. Jackson Ross, the rugby dude, starts at punter. And Dylan Sampson will be the kickoff returner, while D. Williams is the punt returner. Returner. And don't underestimate this, guys. Matthew Solansky is the long snapper. With Morgan Cox still in the NFL, Tennessee football is long snapper. You. It is. It is. It's been punter you. I mean, you just stop by Knoxville and you become an NFL punter. Ask Tommy Townsend. Yes. Um, so there we go. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Check out the Celebrate 98 series. Don't forget to do what, Jacob Warren? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Yes, he does. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Hope everybody is having a fantastic weekend, and uh, we will talk to you each and every weekday at 10 a.m. This has been a production of Off the Hook Sports.